Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are continuing our series, Emotional Damage, Emotional Damage. And in this series, we have been talking about that emotions are a real part of our life. They are, they're going to be a part of the journey. But how do you keep your emotions from being in charge? keep them from being in charge of the journey, right? Like they're going to be a part of your life. They're going to be a part of it. But the question is, it has come out of this series, how do we handle our emotions instead of our emotions handling us? Because one or the other is going to happen. And one thing I've said since the beginning of this series, the two most dangerous words I really feel in our culture and society right now are the two words, I feel. I feel. Because we say this, well, I feel, and because we feel a certain way, we think because we feel a certain way that it makes that certain way true and right. And here's what I want you to know today before we get going today is this is not a message or a series telling you that your feelings aren't real. Your feelings are very much real, but your feelings and my feelings don't equal truth or what is, what is true for you and me, that there has to be an absolute truth as followers of Christ that we are following, and that absolute truth is found in his word, right? Emotions and feelings don't equal truth. So today, I'm going to be speaking on a hard, sensitive topic, and I want to talk to you about biblical truth and transgenderism. Biblical truth and transgenderism. And today I'm going to ask you before I get going really far into the sermon, um, you guys are great at preaching with me. Um, you're great at amening and clapping and saying, let the big dog eat and all these other things. Um, sometimes you even boo me when I talk about hating cheesecake. That's fine, right? But today I'm going to ask that there would be no feedback. I'm going to ask that you wouldn't amen. I'm going to ask that you wouldn't boo. I'm going to ask that you wouldn't clap because here's why. I want whoever is watching that may be struggling with this topic, maybe they have a child, maybe they have a family member who is struggling with this to hear the truth and know that they are loved. And one amen or one round of applause when it comes to this topic can feel more like an attack than the support that is, is meant with. So as we get going today, the question has always been and always comes around, why speak on this topic? Why speak on the transgender topic to even begin with? Let me give you a few reasons. First one is this. When we did our parenting series back in February, Parenting in the 21st Century, we had a bunch of parents and a bunch of grandparents fill out prayer requests that we were going to be praying with you and agreeing with you about And one of the number one prayer requests from parents and grandparents concerned gender identity. Their kids, their grandchildren were confused and were struggling with their gender identity. And it was one of the biggest felt needs with parents and grandparents. The next reason is this, is because everywhere that you and I go, this topic and this issue is right in your face. Target. 
alone has come out, and there's tons, right? There's tons, but just Target alone has come out with a LGBTQ collection, and Target has items that include gender fluid mugs, books for children that are, are ages two through eight that are titled Bye Bye Binary, I'm Not a Girl, and What Are Your Words, which tell kids how to use transgender pronouns. Some products for kids also appear to feature drag queens, according to products sold on the company's website. Even more controversial, Target is selling tuck-friendly swimwear for transgenders who are biological males, though a spokesperson says those are marketed to adults. Another story that I read this weekend um, involved a teacher in the UK and two eighth grade students. And it says this, a UK teacher got into a heated argument with two eighth grade students for their views about gender ideology according to a secret audio recording of the incident. There were two eighth grade students who didn't agree with the thought that somebody could identify as a cat and that biology, and that biology they thought that biology determines one's identity. The teacher, as a result, called these two eighth graders that are students despicable, uneducated, and that they needed to go to a different school. The terms transgender, gender fluid, gender dysphoria are all terms that have really caught traction in the last five years and are now all over the news and everywhere you go. And you and I, as followers of Christ, as Christians, we better have a biblical understanding when it comes to this subject. And here's the deal. Everyone is speaking up and about it except for the church. And our silence is making its own statement. And the simple truth is churches are allowed to speak up as long as they are encouraging and endorsing the transgender movement. But what do you do if you don't agree? What do you do if you don't agree with the transgender movement, with the LGBTQ movement? What then? And what is happening is our churches, our pastors are sitting and being quiet and timid instead of being loving, instead of being bold and courageous. Our kids and our teenagers are being told what they should believe, that they get to pick their pronouns and why it is okay, but the church is staying silent on what the Bible actually says about it and what the Bible says is true and is okay. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And we're there. This is so true and this is so accurate of the reality of the world and the culture that we find ourselves living in. If you have a view that disagrees with society and what is popular and what is politically correct concerning the transgender movement, you are labeled a bigot, you're called narrow-minded, you have an extreme view, or you're called a dinosaur. Some of you, you aren't far from being a dinosaur, but you're still called it, right? But understand, and this is key before we go any further, I can love you and not agree or approve of you. The problem, stop it, um, the problem is the moment I disagree with you, especially on this and in this arena, then that automatically, you automatically, and it automatically terms me and you a bigot, extreme in my views, and intolerant. 
But as long as I shut up and just go along blindly what, what, with what is trending and popular, that is fine. But don't you dare disagree with the woke agenda and what goes against Scripture. But I love what Rick Warren talks, says when he talks about tolerant. He says this, the problem is that tolerant has changed its meaning. It used to mean I may disagree with you completely, but I will treat you with respect. Today, tolerant means you must approve of everything I do. There's a difference between tolerance and approval. Jesus accepted everyone, no matter who they were, but he doesn't approve of everything I do or you do or anybody else does either. You can be accepting without being approving. So before we go any further today, before we get into the meat of the message, if you are a part of the transgender community, if you are a part of the LGBTQ plus community, if you have a child or loved one that is involved in this arena or you have a totally different view from me and you don't agree with what I say today, I want you to know this as a pastor of this church, I still love you. And we as Foundation Church are still gonna love you. But because I love you, I wanna tell you the truth in love today, and I want you to understand what, not my opinion, not the popular opinion, but what the Bible really says. Because here's the simple truth. God's word is greater than my feelings. As, as a follower of Christ, this is it. When it comes to every aspect of my life, because Jesus is king, and my, my heart and my job is to follow his will and his purpose. God's word is greater than my feelings. That means the Bible is greater than what is popular. The Bible is greater than what is socially acceptable. The Bible is greater than what is politically correct. And just because I don't like what God's word says doesn't mean that I get to change it or not follow it. In Proverbs, the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Don't lean on what you think is right. The Bible also talks about there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that feels right, that looks right, but it's not necessarily means that it is right. And how I feel has become the truth of our generation right now and the truth of this culture. And the Bible is speaking directly against this that we have to let his word lead our life rather than our feelings and our emotions because if we don't, that's when emotional damage occurs. If we don't, especially when it comes to this area of, of life and this subject, it's not just that emotional damage is gonna happen, there's gonna be a lot bigger damage that occurs in your life and in my life. So what does the Bible say about this? We're gonna start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 13 through 17, it says this. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you, Paul's talking to Timothy, somebody that he is mentoring, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do and teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 2 Timothy chapter four, Paul is talking to Timothy once again, who's in charge of a church, and he says this, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Stop preaching your preference. Don't preach your opinion, but preach what the word talks about. Not just the easy fluffy parts, but the hard parts as well. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Whether it's popular or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after a myth. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Ephesians chapter four talks about this as well. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And today, that is the goal, to speak the truth in love, not to speak what's popular, not to speak what's easy, but to speak a hard truth that brings correction from his word to our life. So what does the Bible say about transgenderism and the LGBTQ movement? Romans chapter one says this, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can, can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools, and we're seeing that play out before our very eyes. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires, and even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with other, excuse me, and the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. 
Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful, and they invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11 says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And I love this next line, don't fool yourselves. Don't, 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 don't get it backwards. Don't get it sideways today. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were like that, but you were cleansed and you were made holy and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what is the Bible saying here? What, what's the, what's the bi- biblical truth when it comes to this hard, difficult topic? The Bible is saying that the transgender movement along with the LGBTQ movement, along with idolatry, along with adultery, along with stealing, along with being greedy and drunk and being abusive or cheaters, all these things, according to his word, not my opinion, not your opinion, are a sin. And hear me, I get it. It's hard to hear this because we know people who are struggling with this. We have kids that are struggling with this. We have grandkids that are struggling with this. We have coworkers that are struggling with this. And it feels harsh and it feels mean to call it what it is and the prevailing and common and popular thing within our culture and even in some churches now is to call it something else other than sin. But understand this, God is not confused on who he created and designed you to be. God is not confused on who he created and designed you to be. We are now in a society that part of our culture refuses to identify or define what a woman is. And what is happening is that our culture is blurring the lines and trying to make everything confusing and blurry. And our culture says things like, well, I don't identify as a male or female. I am gender fluid or gender neutral. We have a society that says your sex doesn't determine your gender. That just because you were born with male biological parts or female biological parts, that doesn't mean that you are male or female if you don't feel like you are. 18 years ago, um, we went on our one and only cruise ever. I'm never going on another cruise because I'm like Buddy the Elf in a cruise room, right? I don't fit like the shower. I was literally splashing it up. to get wet, like I don't fit, and I was turning sideways, and anyways, we went on this cruise, and back in the day, 18 years ago, I weighed about 260 pounds, I was still 6'6", I'm probably shrinking now, but um, I was a big boy, and when I boarded the, the boat, I had an Oklahoma football shirt on, OU Sooners, right, and I was wearing it, and I had people come up to me, and they said, young man, are you a OU football player? And without hesitation, what did I say? Absolutely, I'm an OU football player. Some of you are like, are you, were you? No, I was never an OU football player. They would have never let me even walked into practice um, to record a video. But I walked around that cruise ship that first day signing autographs with a number. My number was 87, right? Because 88 with Keith Jackson, that's too close. Um, I was taking pictures with people. Um, they, were, they were excited. And they would point, that's an OU football player. And Casey's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, 
hey, I've always wanted to be an OU football player. What do you mean, what am I doing? This is my moment. And, and here's what happened, right? I wore something that said OU football player. People thought I looked like it. I wanted to be like one. I always wanted, and in that moment, I started identifying as an OU football player. <laughs> but just because other people thought I looked like it, just because I wanted to identify and be one, didn't make me an OU football player, right? It, it made me, it didn't make me part of that team. And you may be confused, and mother, maybe others have told you that you have certain tendencies or you feel a certain way, but God is not confused on who he created and designed you to be. And part of our culture and society wants to keep blurring the lines so that it becomes more and more difficult and confusing on who God created and designed you to be. But here's what the Bible says about it. In Genesis, the very first, you only have to go searching far. Genesis 1:27 says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10, God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And we are in a culture where people are truly trying to split apart what God has designed and put and joined together. And some of us want to say, well, that's just the Old Testament. No, 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 this is Jesus' teaching. And Jesus is talking about God made man and woman for one another. And there's no confusion on this when it comes to the Bible. Paul also writes in the New Testament that God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And this world wants to confuse and blur and call wrong right and right wrong. But hear me, Psalms 139, verses 13 through 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God made us Men and women, male and female. And that isn't about a feeling. That is a true biological fact. And the truth is, I really think, honestly, for the most part, we know this. Right? We know the truth on this. So let's not allow others to confuse and blur the lines on this. But let's stand on what we know to be true. Like it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we know this to be true and we can trust those who taught us. Let's not allow others to blur the lines, but instead let's make sure you and I have a biblical mindset when it comes to this area. Because we have to understand this. It's not loving to affirm a lie because love contains truth and correction. It's not loving to affirm a lie, to go along with the lie. But love contains truth and correction. Today, if we got home, my oldest is in this service, and Charlie said, hey, Dad, I feel like I'm Captain Marvel right now, and I have the power to fly. Love would not say, hey, Charlie, let's go buy you a Captain Marvel 
outfit. Let's go to the top of the roof. I believe in you. I believe in this feeling. So let's go for it. You just jump off the roof and I'm going to, no, that's not loving her. What is the loving thing to do? To say, Charlie, I don't know what you've been smoking, but you can't fly, right? Like that, you're not going to get on the top of this roof and try to be Captain Marvel all of a sudden. You can't fly. You don't have that power. You don't have that ability, right? And the truth, love contains truth and correction. I love what John MacArthur said. He says, true love of others is not doing for them what they want, but doing for them what God wants. First John 5, 2 through 3, we know, we, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. He goes on to say, condoning sin is never an act of love, either for God or for those whose sins we condone. And here's what I would tell you. God is not going to rewrite the Bible for your preference and lifestyle. So stop trying to change Scripture when Scripture was written to change you. You can try to call transgender something else than sin, but if you're a follower of Christ, which means you follow God's Word and the Bible is greater than my opinions, my feelings, the Bible calls it sin. Well, Justin, sin is sin. And you're correct. Right on the money. When it comes to sin, sin is sin. But there is a difference between struggling with sin and surrendering to it. Well, Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in the act of adultery, and you're absolutely right. He forgave her, and he didn't humiliate her. But he also said, now go and sin no more. And just as we would say it's not okay for an adulterer to keep committing adultery or an abusive person to keep abusing people, we can't keep practicing and doing and and. We can't keep practicing and doing what we understand isn't right and is a sin. Well, I'm not going to let a man or a pastor change the way that I live and love and hear me today. You shouldn't. Don't take your, the advice of a pastor, but take it from the word of God. And Romans chapter 6 says this, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness living. And God's plan, according to the Bible, isn't that any of us would be a slave to sin. By continuing to live in sin or a lifestyle or by calling it something else than what it is, but to move on to the righteous living that he's calling you and I to live in. Here's the other thing I would say under this point. The Bible never speaks about the transgender topic or the LGBTQ plus topic in a condoning or positive way. It's not there. Nowhere in scripture does it speak of it in a positive light or that it's okay to participate in. It instead describes it and calls it a sin. So for us to say that it, so for us to say that it's okay isn't biblical. 
also, it's not loving, and it's actually going against what the Bible is actually saying. And what I have noticed is that when we don't like what the Bible says, we want to question the validity of the Bible and the Scripture. And Satan has been doing this since the beginning of time. Satan didn't tempt Adam and Eve to murder, steal, or tell a lie. He tempted them to question the Word of God, and his tactics haven't changed. I hear all the time the church should be more inclusive and more welcoming. Jesus ate with prostitutes and tax collectors, and you're correct, he did. But understand, they went away changed. They went away sinning no more and living a different lifestyle. They didn't change Christ or the scripture. Instead, they were changed. And our job as a church and my job as a pastor is to be welcoming to everybody who comes through that door. Absolutely. But just as important, it is to lead people away from sin and towards Christ. Not to affirm, not to affirm and embrace sin or to embrace a lifestyle that is clearly defined by Scripture as a sin, but to point them to a Savior named Jesus who can change everything. So the question is this today. What do we do? Right, we've defined what it is, that the Bible calls it a sin. So how do we function in our culture now? What do we do as teenagers? What do we do as college students, as young adults, as young married couples, as parents that have kids and teenagers and grandparents? What do you and I do, and how do we conduct ourselves? I want to give us a few things. The first one is this, stop being intimidated. Stop being intimidated. Some of us don't know what to say, and I get that. Totally understandable. But some of us are intimidated. And we know we should stand up. We know we disagree, but we're scared to. Because we're afraid of what we will be labeled and what the fallout will be. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 through 29 says this. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Don't be intimidated in any way. Here's the the simple reality for you and me today. As a result of you not being intimidated and standing up and speaking out, you might be singled out. You might get shame for it. You might be called a dinosaur, a fossil, narrow-minded, that you hold an extreme view. You might be called a bigot. Your kids might not get invited to birthday parties. But Paul says it's a privilege to suffer for Christ and his message. And if you're not willing to be called some names, and if you're not willing to maybe not fit in to what is politically correct, then what's the alternative? The answer is you go along with the madness. And what we are finding ourselves in is madness. Because your silence is a statement all on its own. So what's the alternative? The alternative is this, be the light in the darkness. Don't just stand up and call wrong, wrong, but show, that, but show, how, show a culture how to live it out in a right way. Matthew chapter five says this, you are the light of Christ to the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Romans chapter 12, verse 21, one of my favorite verses says, don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil 
by doing good. Don't hunker down and hide. Don't just try to survive, but go be the light of the world. Teenagers, go be the light of the world. And don't be conquered by evil, but I don't know how to stand, and I'm going to be called this. But it is called a privilege to suffer for Christ. College students, don't just go along, but be the light of the world. Show them that there is a better way to live their lives out. Adults, show them that there is a better way to live their life out, and don't be intimidated to do so. The second thing is this, because you and I are going to have to stand for truth. At some point in time, we're going to have to stand for truth. Joshua 24, 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the last chapter in Joshua. This is the last speech that Joshua gives. He's addressing Israel, and God has done so much in this, in this time frame of the Israelites' life. Can I tell you, God has done so much in the life of this country, and yet the Israelites start living, and they start drifting to a way they know is contrary to God's commands. And Joshua gets all the leaders today to, together, and he addresses them in this final speech, and he says this to him, man, this is the moment where he, he calls the nation together, and he draws a line in the stand, and he stands up for truth, and he says, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, hear me today. If you don't draw a line in the sand now, and if you don't stand your ground now, there will be no, left, no ground left to stand on. If you don't stand your ground and draw a line in the sand now, there will be no ground left to stand on. Because understand the transgender movement, the LGBTQ plus movement is coming to influence your kids. They have a target for your teenagers, for your college student, and your children. There's a picture of a children's book called It's Perfectly Normal. And this is pulled directly from Amazon's website. And it says this, this is fully and fearlessly updated. This vital new edition of the acclaimed book on sex, sexuality, bodies, and puberty deserves a spot in every family's library. With more than one and a half million copies in print, It's Perfectly Normal has been, tr been a trusted resource on sexuality for more than 25 years. Rigorously vetted by experts, this is the most ambitiously updated edition yet featuring to the minute information and language accompanied by new and refreshed art. Updates include a shift to gender neutral vocabulary throughout. An expansion on LGBTQ plus topics, gender identity, sex and sexuality, making this a sexual health book for all readers. Coverage of recent advances and methods of sexual safety and contraceptions with corresponding illustrations, a revised section on abortion, including developments in the shifting politics and legislation, as well as an accurate, honest overview. This movement, this book is in your schools. They're teaching your children. They are getting to pick their pronouns and what they identify as. There's a bill right now in California that aims to control parents' medical, excuse me, parents' medical decisions about their children by compelling them to provide gender-affirming care. 
Parents fighting custody battles could be liable for child abuse if they don't affirm their kid's gender under recently amended bill. Never before in the history of mankind have we had children leading adults. We have we had children leading professionals in the decisions around their care, but here we are. Listen to me. Kids don't get to decide what they eat. Right? My kids growing up, when they were six years old, if I let them pick what they were going to eat, they would eat ice cream and Skittles for every meal. It's not good for them. That's not loving them. Kids don't get to pick when they shower. Right? Your mid-high boy would have never showered. He'd have stunk the whole house up. They don't, they don't get to decide what they wear. They would have just worn their pajamas to school. When they go to school, I never would have gone. When they get to drive, but hear me, we are letting them decide their gender and letting them take hormone replacements and blockers that is going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And this is madness. And this is a society that is out of control. And parents, you've got to stop worrying about being a helicopter parent. Stop trying to be their buddy and friend and be their parent. Don't be their friend. Don't be their buddy. But do what is biblically the best thing for your kids and stop trying to be trendy and cool. So parents, hear me. You better be involved. You better stand up and stand your ground and fight for your family and your child. You better stand and draw the line in the sand because if you don't fight for your kid and your family, who will? But as we do this, let me be really clear about this. As we stand up for truth, as we fight for our families, as we fight for our kids, hear me, don't lose your mind. Don't lose your mind because this is an emotionally charged topic and issue. We can't become hateful. So what do we do then? How do we stand up? It means you get involved at your schools. Parents, hear me. Schools are not the enemy. Teachers are not the enemies. The principals are not the enemies. Get involved and partner with your teachers. Partner with the administration. Partner with the principals because they are restricted in what they can do, but you, the parents, still have power and don't yield it. That means get involved and run for the local school board. Get on the school board. Get involved so that you have influence. That means all of us as adults, you know what? When it's time to vote, get out and vote. If you're gonna complain, man, you better vote. If you don't vote, don't you complain about what's going on in your country, in your city, and in your neighborhood if you're not willing to put some effort and make your voice be heard. Get out and vote. Go to the city council meetings. Run for a city council. Run for mayor because we are called not to just blend in, not to hunker down. We don't know what to do. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good and getting involved. The last thing is this. I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. Is that we as adults and we, everybody in here, we have to keep loving people. Love can't be without truth. Because truth on its own is harsh, but love without truth is sloppy. One of my dear friends, Daryl Wooten, says this we have to love the least, the last, and the lost. Foundation Church, we have to love our family. To those of you that are watching online, we have to love our church. But just as importantly, we have to love lost people. Foundation Church, we have to love anybody that God sends through these doors. Because if lost people aren't welcome to this place, how will they ever become found people? Your job and my job isn't to judge them, but to love them. 
They're gonna hear the whole truth. They're gonna hear the Bible preach, but let's let Jesus do the changing and the redeeming and the forgiving and let's keep loving one another. Luke 6, 27 says this, but to those of you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. John 13 says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. For your love for one another, how we love one another, will prove to the world that you belong to him, that you are his disciples. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love doesn't know God, for God is love. And we cannot forget that we are called to love people. People who we agree with and who we couldn't disagree with more. People who look and vote like us and people who look nothing like us and vote the exact opposite of us. Because if we forget to love others, people we like and people we dislike, if we forget to love one another, we are forgetting a massive part of what Jesus commanded us, the body of Christ, to do. So as I'm closing, here's what I want you to know. When we talk about these subjects, when, when we preach about it, there comes this heaviness because you almost lose hope. Maybe you feel like you're in a hopeless situation this past week with the sub, the submersible that went to go look at the Titanic and they couldn't get to it and tragedy hit. Before they knew that it had crashed on the ocean floor, they thought that those people were still alive, but the problem was they couldn't locate them. And then on top of that, even if they could locate them, they couldn't get to them because they were so deep. Their nuclear sub couldn't even get to where those people were. And I thought, man, that's what some of us feel like. Man, I don't even know if God knows where I'm at. And even if he knew where I was, man, he can't redeem this. He can't forgive me. We're not just going, we're not just talking about the LGBTQ+. Plus. We're talking about life. Some of us here, you're here, and you feel guilty the moment that you get out of your car, the moment that you're, because you don't know if God can redeem you. But here's what I would tell you today. There's no way that, and there's no place you can go where God can't find you, and there's no person he can't redeem. There's no place you can go that God can't find you, and there's no person he can't redeem. Psalms 139 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day and darkness and light are the same to you. Today, you may feel that you're unredeemable you do not have that power. There's nowhere you can go he can't find you. And there's no one he can't redeem. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And God, I pray today that you would give us ears to hear. Not to lean into our own truth. Not to lean into what I feel. But we would submit our lives to your word. Because your word's greater than our feelings. Your word trumps our emotions. And so I pray today for all of us in this place 
that our lives would be submissive to your word. And that God, we wouldn't try to get around it. We wouldn't try to call our actions something other than what it is. And we would come to you humbly today. And we would submit and we would say, God, your will be done and not mine. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, there would be change. But Lord, we would be very biblically minded when it comes to this area that we are facing as a society. And God, I pray that you would help us as students, as parents, as adults, as grandparents, not to be intimidated, but to stand up for what is true and to continue to love others. Be with us. And let us not be conquered by evil, but let us conquer evil by doing good. It's in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.